do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, hey, July is over. I can't believe it, another month down of 2020. This is our special July recap podcast where we go and we take the best couple minutes from each of the podcasts we had this month. You can go through, listen really quick, get some really cool pointers from a bunch of different individuals and decide if there's an episode you wanna go back and listen to again. Quite a month again for July, a bunch of awesome rock star interviews. So uh, here's a taste of the first one. This was State of the Market 51, where I got to have our previous host, Pat Hyben, on the podcast to share State of the Market. State of the Market 51, here you go. Yes, everywhere that we're hearing from all the agents out there, people are busy. People are doing a lot of deals out there. People are, are buying and selling houses for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of those, are these articles from Bloomberg says, the U.S. new home sales surge with buyers returning to market. New home sales in the U.S. rose more than expected in May with record low mortgage rates pulling buyers back into a housing market that froze up during the pandemic. Purchases of single family houses climbed 16%, the second largest monthly advance since 1992. What do you think, Pat? I guess that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, but I would have never predicted it. I thought that people are going to be like, let me get rid of this Airbnb because I don't want to have this rental or whatever. Yep. Let me get rid of this piece of real estate in case, you know, I need money. And number two, now's not a good time to move because we might lose our jobs. And uh, the opposite has happened, right? The, the rates have gotten so low and inventory was already on a decline. But now inventory is like virtually non-existent. And, you know, every agent I talk to, and I talk to many agents every week, as you do, it's just running around with a chicken with their head cut off. They're just in crazy marketing. Not to say they're, again, just kind of like we were talking about with the Airbnbs, not to say that uh, there are real estate companies and real estate agents in certain areas, and I'm sure there's ones listening that are sucking wind right now or down significantly. And I think the theme that I'm hearing when I talk to the agents on the ground, they're like, the agents that are hustling are killing it. The yeah. agents that are slackers aren't selling anything. I know that when this thing started too, like I thought, I thought my two Airbnb properties, I was going to have to sell them. I was like, oh my, I just lost all my Airbnb bookings. Like I'm screwed. And it turns out a couple months into quarantine, people prefer Airbnb over hotels. So now I'm fully booked out again. And the, uh, so yeah, it's, it's tough to predict crisis. It, it will is, impact but it's the market. weird. Uh, you know, I talked to a guy last night that's like his Airbnbs, he's had to drop the price on them 50%. And um, he said, uh, just because people are negotiating, it's kind of an odd thing. But, but if you have an Airbnb in like a rustic setting, like a, in the woods, they're sold out people paying full price or more other places like if you're downtown Boston or, or New York City or whatever you're dropping prices in half to try to rent the damn thing out all right that was state of the market 51 with Pat Hyben I always love getting to talk to Pat if you want to go back and listen to that some more 
Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. Yeah, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple of years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. If you find that you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices because we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, Maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. You get access to every course we ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. Next up, we have the interview that I did with Ken Wimberly. Ken's a great friend of mine. One of the things we highlight is the power of positive habits. You know, this was an awesome interview because he talked about, you know, he exercised so many days in a row and all these different habits and he's got this great app uh, that he's using to be able to, you know, keep track of memories with his kids and everything else. So Ken's a great guy, listen up to this one. So if you were gonna give advice to a new agent right now, and right now the world is a crazy place. So somebody comes to you and says, hey, I got my license in February, right before COVID hit. What do I do now? First thing I tell people, someone is, is to get a great database. Make a list of your top 50 people in your sphere of influence and contact those top 50 people every single month. And you don't have to call them every month, but you have to be in contact with them. That is what my coach used to always tell me. He's like, you know, when you talk to them, every single conversation should have something Go into your database that you've learned about them. You've learned about their family, about their interest, about the properties they own, about the struggles they're facing, about any of that. I can tell you that some of my absolute best relationships in business have come from me helping people outside of the real estate business. I've helped people with their accountability. I've helped people with their fitness goals. I've helped people, I've helped some really, really successful people in connecting them to others. And those have developed some of the most amazing relationships. So it's finding a way that someone could use some help and then being a source of value. Ken is one of the masters of habits. The first time I met him, I was amazed at how, at how fit he was with everything. Uh, you know, every other day on, online, he, he, you know, at 4 a.m., he'll post a picture of his watch saying, hey, I'm up, I'm getting started again. But how many, how many days have you been working out in a row right now? Today, 551 days. How do you work out 551 days in a row? What do you tell yourself on the days that you don't want to work out? How do you get through those excuses? How do you work out 551 days in a row? Well, it, it certainly wasn't always this way. Systems and routine really helped me. In business, 
in in relationships, in exercise. And so my I had a system to make it really easy. I didn't have to think about it and what I was going to do that day. So when the year started in January, I did 400 reps a day of either push-ups, sit-ups, uh, jumping jacks, squats, lunges, pull-ups, and burpees. I could do whatever combination of those, but I would do 400 reps a day every day in January. February, I went to 500, then to 600, on all the way up until I was doing 1,500 reps a day in December. As a guy about you know discipline, like you have been writing stories to your kids forever. Something that, that a lot of people admire and say like, hey, I should do this or hey, I should just... Just scrolling through my app, through the Legacy Love app, I was scrolling through and one of the entries I came upon was something I wrote to my daughter. And I was having a really shitty day. I mean, it was a bad day. It was just, if something could go wrong, it had gone wrong. Mm -hmm. And she had left me just the sweetest little voicemail. And it was just her checking in on me to tell me she loved me. I saved that voicemail, I put it in the app, and I wrote a story about, not a story, I wrote three lines just about how much that meant to me on an otherwise miserable day to get that message from her. And she has no idea. And, and so she'll, she'll get that story to her here. Yeah, actually, this, this all along was, was designed to be my high school graduation gift to each one of my children, 18 years of your life through my eyes. Okay. I, get, I get chills every time you say it, especially, especially now as Grace is about to graduate. Like she's got a year. One more year. She graduates next year. You've been doing this forever and talk about... The, I mean, I, I told you guys at the beginning that talking to Ken was going to be one of the most interesting interviews that I've done because it is real estate, but it's also about, you know, persistence and the and discipline. All right. So as a reminder, if you liked that one, that was Ken Wimberly's episode number 916. Next is episode 917. This is Luciano DiGiorio. He was from, he's from Canada, talked a little bit about coronavirus and really, you know, he does a lot of commercial stuff. His big summary was if you want more clients, read the news. This is a great episode. We had a lot of great reviews on this one. Go check it out. If you're in the US and you're investing American dollars up in Canada, the exchange rate's like 1.3 or 1.4. And so if you get a million dollars US buys you something for 1.4 up in Canada, something like that. Does that, does that come into play a lot for investors that cross the border back and forth? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, certainly the uh, the Canadian dollar is weaker to the U.S. dollar, so definitely there's some deals to be had in in Canada just based on the exchange rate. Uh, now, of course, there's different there's other other things that factor in, and there's taxes, and there's uh, there's also some language language barriers. Certainly, if you're doing business in Quebec, but in general, you know, money will follow where it can it can grow. And and right now. Our markets in across Canada, but especially in Montreal, have been undervalued. So, if, if somebody came to you right now and they said, "Hey, I want to I want to get involved in commercial real estate. How do I get my first clients?" What would you tell them? I would say uh, a few things, and uh, we're luckier today than we were in 1999 because that, you know the search engines are more powerful uh, and information is readily accessible. So, my advice would be: number one is start your day by uh, keeping up to date with news and finding out what's going on in terms of news. I'll give okay. you an example. Right now, during COVID, a lot of people are investing, you know, a lot of the businesses have to get plexiglass. So one of the questions that I would say to a, a young broker is, think about that story that you read in the paper about how businesses are getting plexiglass. For us as brokers, I want to see who are the people that are supplying plexiglass. These people may have, may have issues because 
their warehouses, you know, they either they can't keep up, they're going to need more space. And so when I read a story in the paper, I read it diagonally. When I read it as a real estate broker, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, there may be a problem there. This person is obviously being inundated with orders. They're probably going to have to open up a second plant or they're going to have to open up something, you know, something. They may have a real estate problem. They may be running into a real estate problem. Also, in terms of the neighborhood that where if Tesla is, is looking in a certain neighborhood, then who's in that neighborhood and maybe is ready to sell or willing to sell because, you know, time, timing is everything in, a, in, in our business. Location, location, location and timing are two big things in real estate that I, I, I truly believe in. It's funny. There's a neighborhood in Montreal. It's, it's called the Little Italy neighborhood. And uh, for the longest time, it started to just it was declining. Uh, restaurants were closing. No one was interested in going there. A block away, they've built a hub for artificial intelligence. You can't get space in that neighborhood now. Okay, remember that was 917 with Luciana DiOrio. Next, we have episode 918, Vacation Rentals, Airbnb, and Investor Clients with Avery Carl. Avery and I had a great conversation about the differences between Airbnb and VRBO. Here's a little clip from that one. All right, let's buckle up and listen because if you're just getting your license now and you're hoping that two or three years from now, you can have a $60 million volume year, that, that would be, that seems like a really, really crazy goal, but Avery's done it in just a few years and we're going to get to dial into that. So has your niche always been, you know, kind of selling Airbnb investments to, to people or is there, do you do a lot of regular transactions as well? Uh, I tried to fight it being only the Airbnbs at first because, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, when you first start, you're like, oh, you know, I need to take all the business that I can. I need to get business from everywhere. My pipeline just kept being short-term rental investors. So I finally stopped fighting it and just said, this is all I'm doing now. This is clearly what I need to be doing. And so I stopped taking primary home investors. I don't even take long-term rental investors anymore. Only short-term rental investors that are really looking for a vacation rental. My business took off once I started cutting out, just taking anybody. It's almost like the four-hour workweek type method. When you would buy the properties, would you use your buyer's agent commission as a discount or would you use it as a down payment for the property? I don't use it as a discount. I, I take that commission and, you know, just kind of it cancels out the down payment because I'd rather have the cash in hand than I would, you know, a $12,000 discount or $20,000 discount amortized over 30 years. That doesn't do me any favors. So I take the cash. I think that's smart. Why do you think Nashville is so anti Airbnb? That's a really good question. And that's kind of why once we got really established in the Smoky Mountain area, that's why I then chose Destin and Panama City, Florida as my next office to open. And then Gulf Shores, Alabama, which is just really down the road from Destin. These are what I would call true mature vacation rental markets. And this is kind of the difference the difference between just an Airbnb and a vacation rental. So these are markets where it has been the norm for vacationers to stay in a single family home overnight, you know, on vacation for decades, like well before Airbnb, even before the internet in a lot of these cases, where somewhere like Nashville is a metro area and Airbnb is kind of a new thing as of the past 15 years. So people had always stayed in hotels until 10, 15 years ago when VRBO and Airbnb kind of ramped up. And now you have hotels, you know, big hotel money getting annoyed with losing some of the market share. You have, uh, you know, people going in and buying properties in what used to be quiet neighborhoods and turning them into, you know, essentially hotels and the neighbors get annoyed with that. So when it hasn't been the norm and it's kind of a new thing, you run into all these clashes and the hotel lobbyists are really the big player in the metro areas as far as 
anti-short-term rental regulations because they've lost a lot of market share. So they're trying to make that go away. So that coupled with disgruntled neighbors and then the fact that the prices have shot up in these metro markets because of the premium that the Airbnbable properties are being sold for, which is making it unaffordable for the permanent residents in those areas. So you just have a lot of different things in the metro markets that are driving anti-short-term rental regulations. Whereas in the regional drivable vacation rental markets, there really is no industry other than tourism. So it would be really, really detrimental for the local economies to regulate against short-term rentals because there's just really no hotel presence to lobby against it. So when you're when you go present those deals to your investors, you show them all the numbers, you should get 10 people a month, you should get to do this and here's your projected return. So I have a calculator that I built around the markets that I have to help with that, mm-hmm. but I have found it's best and actually David Green said this on our mastermind the other day. My spreadsheets are built to spit out the data the way my brain works. And your brain doesn't necessarily work the same way that mine does. So what I tell clients and the phrase that I use is, here's a a calculator that will give you, you know, roughly the numbers that you're looking for, but I can't do your pushups for you. I can guide you along the way and say, this should be able to hit this. This should be able to hit this. Your expenses should be about this, but you have to do your own analysis and let them do their own pushups, so to speak. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars listeners, I am sorry to interrupt again, but I want to do a quick commercial break, but this commercial break is different. This is stuff that I think you need, and this is me talking to you about some of the stuff that we had. So, you know, recently we had a lot of people reach out to us and say, hey, why don't you do a real estate mastermind? Why don't you do something where a lot of the listeners can get together and do some Zoom calls and ask each other questions and really just try to brainstorm and work together? I mean, there's a million masterminds out there. I don't know if this is something that we really want to do or not, or if we do, if we're going to limit it to maybe 20 or 30 people. We're just trying to figure out if any of you guys are interested. So if you have any interest at all in joining a mastermind with real estate agents around the country that are part of the Real Estate Rockstars Network, go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind and just join the wait list. It's just a really a formal, it's just an interest list for us to see, is this something we want to be doing? So that's, that's number one. Number two, you go to hybendigital.com forward slash foreclosures. We have a two day thing that we just finished recording. Now it's also inside Rebus University. And so you go to Rebus University and look at it. If you're already a member of Rebus, I'm, a lot of you guys are in the, you know, the monthly fee where you get access to everything. So we have a new course in there, 17 hours of content on how to buy foreclosures on how to find deals on how to you know do title you know go to auction also turn that into clients for your real estate agents how you can turn somebody that's in default behind on their mortgages into a client so go you know check out that course especially for you know you can you can buy the course now but again most of you guys already subscribed to all that i just wanted you to know there's another 17 hours of content great great content that i just recorded on there uh, that all of you guys have access to now at rebus university and then finally we have software that we talk about on and off it's called Padhawk, and in Padhawk, you can use that to go find leads. What you know, so everyone is really, really busy right now, and we're so, so busy. People are selling, and they're saying there isn't enough product on the market, right? So they're, they're they can't find houses. Well, Padhawk will help you find houses before they're listed. It helps you find owners that should be listing their properties or people that might want to get there. I recorded a quick video. It's like six or seven minutes long for you guys to look at, real estate agent specific on what how you can use the software in order to do it. So go to hybendigital.com forward slash leads. Again, there's a video in there. I talk about how you can use the software to do it. Check it out. If it's something that you like, you may want to sign up for it. 
99 bucks a month that's nationwide any city out there and it is a great way to find houses so right now people are saying there's lots of buyers but we can't find enough houses well maybe you can use this software you'll find something that hasn't listed yet and make them an offer on their house all right back to your regularly scheduled program thank you for letting me interrupt you with that break All right, if you want to learn more about the vacation rental business or you want to hear more from Avery Carl, remember to go back and check out episode 918. Next up, we have episode 919. This was with Kimberly Meserve. The This was an awesome episode. You know, she is just within a couple years of being an agent, had a ton of business. She's one of Realtor.com's 30 under 30 this year. And she has these new home buyer seminars that she puts on to get clients. And I think anybody could copy that model. And she went into a market she didn't know. So here's a couple minutes from that one. How did you go from from nothing to so big so quickly uh, in a place that you weren't from? Yeah. So uh, thankfully, a lot of my success came from those first time home buyer workshops. So when I had to make that decision, do I stay on the team? Do I leave? My business that I had under agreement was from the first time buyer workshops. So I kind of took a gamble on myself and I was like, I'm just going to go all in on this thing. So that's been huge for my pipeline. I always get about 25, 35 people somewhere in that range attend each event. And we used to do them at our local brewery. Now it's all virtual because of COVID. Prior years, it's been closer to a 17% conversion rate. And now it's actually gone up to about 20%. So I'm always getting like five or six clients out of each event. And it's not always immediate business, maybe like one or two is immediate, then there's a batch, like two or three that are six to 12 months out, and then there's going to be longer term nurtures. So this year, I closed a lot of people that came to some of my original events in 2018. I think it's great that you know your numbers, you know, that you went from 17% conversion to a 20% conversion on the people that were coming in. So now virtual, do you have more people sign up? And how often do you do them? You do them weekly or monthly? In 2018 and 2019, we were doing them monthly. And towards the end of last year, we started to do twice a month. So this year, I've been doing two to three times a month. I pretty much just reverse engineered my goal for the year. So I decided, okay, this is how many units I want to do. So I'm just going to back it up based on my numbers and figure out how many workshops I need to do. I'm super measured about everything I do. I think that's been my biggest lesson is just learning to track everything in my business and get hyper-focused on one thing. That's something my coach has helped me with a lot is just, I'm a big believer when you're putting together your business plan that you have like your three priorities but you don't earn the right to go on to the second priority until you really mastered the first priority. And it's just created this involvement of the system getting better and better each time. So the, how do you get people, how do you advertise your, your workshop? How do you get people to actually sign up for it and how long the workshop lasts? Yeah. So the advertising uh, is super simple. Whenever I tell people, they're like, well, are you doing anything else? All I do is Facebook ads and I direct them to an Eventbrite page. And then on there, there it's a little bit more information about the event and they just sign up. I'm capturing their name, email, and phone number so that I can text them before the event to confirm that they're attending. And then the event itself is anywhere between like an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half. Some of it depends on the level of questions we're getting. Um, and I've heard a statistic that said about like 78% of buyers work with the first agent that they meet. So my job is to really insert myself into the process as soon as possible and then kind of nurture them along the way. So I'm a big believer, like I sign buyer agency with everybody. I don't work with someone unless I have that buyer agency agreement. So I'm trying to get them to the appointment from there. And then we'll do like a buyer consultation. I just had people actually that closed in April that, I had them signed since 2018. 
their goal originally was to buy in 2019. And then they ended up getting married and some of that, those plans changed and they didn't buy until this year. But a lot of it is just like nurturing those people, whatever stage they're at in the process. I, I love that statistic too. They're you know, 70% of people at the first agent they meet. So your goal is to become the first agent they meet. All right. So that was episode 919 with Kimberly. If you liked that one, be sure to go listen. I'm going to try to get, get her back on here again soon. Next up, we have State of the Market 52 with my good friend, Jeff Cohn. And we get to talk about news and rates and the and the real estate news out there. Here's a, here's a bit of that. We get into like state of the market. I don't think we know yet where it's going to be as this ebbs and flows. But what I'm guessing, and I've speculated from the beginning, is once the next president has been defined, I think that the rioting goes away. I think that COVID goes away. And I think the world gets back to a new normal. But I don't think that we hear as much talk about pandemics and riots. Yeah, I saw I saw that yesterday with somebody said like Japan is, uh, you know, just said their state of emergency is over and the biggest headlines underneath it was I guess it's not an election year. One of the articles in Inman this week, we've been talking about mortgage rates for weeks as mortgage applications surge as buyers scramble for rates now below 3%. So purchase activity up year over year. How much of, a, of an impact do you feel like mortgage rates are having on it? Do you think it's just people needing to upsize because they live in their house too much now? Or do you think mortgage rates are having a huge impact? You know, I think a lot of the news saying mortgage rates are at an all-time low, anyone that's looking at buying, we never talk about becoming pre-approved. The dialogue we train on is finding out what your buying power is. It's more of an empowering conversation about what they're able to purchase. Anyone watching right now, if you ever dreamed of having a, you know, let's say a million dollar ranch with bees and chickens, and you live in a $200,000 property today, look at the difference of what your jumbo loan would cost you at 3%, which I think you can get a jumbo right now at 2.75 fixed for 30 years. Look at a million dollars at 2.75 versus a million dollars at 7%, which is what rates were when I bought my first house in 2007. You can literally afford two and a half times as much house today than you could just 10 years ago when I bought my first home. Home That changes everything because when people start talking about your market being a seller market and people are paying too much and there's multiple offers, rates are under 3%. Who cares? Yeah. All that matters is you lock the property down. Your rates are under 3%, you guys. My, our parents in the late 80s were in the upper 19, 20% range on interest rates. So what I think is going to happen going to the investment conversation, I think we're going to see investment property double, triple, quadruple, and even is it quintuple? I think we'll see that in our lifetime, Aaron. And when people look back and they have regrets, and I know there's a great book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. When it comes to business, everyone listening right now that's part of real estate transactions, either investing or representing others that are buying or selling real estate, your regret will be that you didn't own more rental properties. And the thing that's so fascinating with this is when I chose to get my license, I got licensed in 2006, I had a pattern in my life when I ever wanted to be like someone, I just interviewed people that were like what I wanted to become. And so I interviewed the top 10 agents in Omaha, 2006. I'm 22 years old, newly married, ready to take on the world. Mm -hmm. I would say 99% of the people I talked to when I said, if you could be me, what would you have done differently? And I wanted advice like door knock, start a referral group, you know, call, make prospecting calls. Like I, I wanted to know how to sell real estate and make a commission. No one taught me how to sell real estate and make a commission. Everyone said invest in rentals. I usually buy for vacant, abandoned foreclosures on the courthouse steps. That has been on moratorium since it started. It just hasn't happened. Yeah. There's been very few things selling uh, at all. And so that part of my business has been completely shut down. But my rentals are people yeah. are paying, so paying let, rent. Let's, let's talk about this. And, and when I get on these podcasts, as we talked about before we jumped on, neither of us are getting paid. We do this to create massive value and influence for others so that you can apply these things. We know most won't. But this is some 
this is a part that I love kind of having a back and forth with. And that is when you talk to investors across the country, when I listen to podcasts, when I've been part of several large um, investment mastermind groups that meet nationally, uh, everyone talks about flipping and flipping is semantically is what people talk about when they talk about investing. But a delineation I'd like to draw is that flipping generates revenue that Uncle Sam gets to charge you your 42% tax rate on. Flipping is not something that happens when you sleep. Somebody has to actively be operating a flipping business. So what I would challenge everyone to think of to your very point, Aaron, is start taking one fifth of your flips or one fifth of the revenue generated off your flips to buy single family or multifamily or storage units, something that creates residual revenue because that's your retirement money. Okay, if you want to hear more of me and Jeff talking about the news, go listen to State of the Market 52. Next up, episode nine. 20. This was overcoming adversity for millions in annual sales with Elliot Hoyt. Man, it was so fun to interview Elliot. He was another one of Realtor.com's 30 Under 30. He's been an avid listener of the show. And when we asked him to come on, he said it was a dream come true and surreal. That was one of his goals one day was to get on the Real Estate Rockstars podcast. And man, he brought it. He had so much awesome stuff. He was a D1 football player. You know, he is from from uh, London or, or the United Kingdom as he came out when he, when he went to college and a lot of good stuff about how he applied sports to succeed in real estate and really just crushing it. One of my favorite interviews. We get so many rock stars on here. You know, we sometimes we get to interview these people that are 30 under 30 and they've had their license for a year and they, and they made hundreds of thousands of dollars and which is great and it's possible and people have that and they've got lots of things we can learn. But a more common story in real estate is, hey, this is hard. I'm working really hard. I'm do I'm knocking on the doors. I'm doing this stuff and it's just not happening. And what I love about that story, right, is you were that could have been a time to say, you know what, I don't have the money to renew my dues. It's time for me to do something else. And instead of giving up with that, you said, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna become an Uber driver so I can pay my real estate dues. Did you have a moment when it clicked that you thought, All right, now it's working? Did it, did anything major happen that helped that trigger? Did it feel like it was a day and night change? You know, I don't know. I don't think there was a particular trigger. I was doing everything the right way, believe it or not. You know, I was kind of learning from others. The way I've always looked at this business is there's no need to reinvent the wheel. There's always someone that's either been in the same situation as you or there's something you can take from someone else's story to help apply to you. So I, was kind of, I kind of felt like I didn't have the perfect model because no one does have the perfect model. I just think it was just it was just a, a case of you know a compounded interest. When the floodgates opened, they opened. You know, I was doing the same stuff. I was doing open houses as much as I could. I was talking to people, having those, you know, having those sit down coffees, having those conversations, that kind of stuff with the right people. Um, and because I was consistent doing that for eight months, then it opened up. I think a little bit of it is chance. Sometimes there is a there is a definitely amount of chance in real estate. You do stumble upon certain stuff, but I wouldn't change it for the world because that really rough period has made me grateful for the things I have now. Because if I had it easy, you know, any, I'm not saying anyone could do this, but within reason, anyone could, you know, have a great fast start and, and get out and make hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you don't appreciate it, in my opinion, as much as going through the struggle. Much like as an athlete, you know, I've gone through struggles physically or, you know, whatever that be on the field, it translates to real life. And I didn't think, I, I didn't put my life together, I don't think, until December when I was doing, when I was Ubering, I remember one night, I remember just thinking to myself, like, this is just football, basically, but in real life. And you just got to keep grinding. It's the fourth quarter and you've got to find a way to get it done. Do you have any other examples of how being an athlete helped prepare you for, for life, for life in real estate, uh, anything like that? In, in life, for me, 
um, some of the stuff we used to do physically for, for, for training and practice outside of the game, because a lot of people don't you know, realize you look, when you watch the game, that's less than 0.1% of the time you're actually a student athlete and going through what you go through. So everyone kind of sees the glitz and glamour, but the hard work you have to put in behind the scenes, much like as an agent, is the same way. We have to do all this stuff behind the scenes that no one gets to see. And you have to be okay to do the work and understand that not everyone's going to understand that you know, that's just one facet of, of, of what we do. So that's kind of how I kind of saw the translation because I realized there's a lot of work I'd have to do that no one would ever see before they see the success. Whenever I have a hard patch myself, I go back to what I went through with football. So, okay, I have this inspection contingency I need to get through or I have this negotiation. If I could physically push myself through the things I had to do with football, this is a breeze. So that's kind of how I apply that side of stuff. Um, and then the other, the other thing that I think is anyone can apply to their life is um, I always talk with my clients or talk to my clients about managing expectations. If you can manage your clients' expectations, no matter who they are, whether they're an investor or if it's a, it's a family buying a house, selling a house, if you manage expectations, there cannot be excuses because everyone knew up front what to expect. That's the same with athletics as with football. We have a playbook we have, to, we have to adhere to and you have to do your role within that play and within that team. We know going into a game that we have this expectation of us to achieve uh, a certain job or outcome. Same with our clients, same with our business. Know the expectations and manage them, and that's what helps you be successful. All right, if you liked that one as much as I did, remember that was episode 920 with Elliot Hoyt if you want to go back and listen to that again. All right, this next one is going to be a piece of State of the Market 53. Uh, will real estate save the economy? You know, this was the recent newscast that we just did last week. This was me and Paul Morris. I tell you what, it was, I, and I think it was one of our best newscasts we'd ever done because we had so much news that was going on in the market. And we really talked honestly about what it is. There's a lot of good news, a lot of bad news, and we get it. Here's a couple minutes from now. A funny thing, just to put Paul's expertise in perspective, one of the first articles that came up as like real estate news, the, it says Greenbrier executes a master sales and marketing agreement with Keller Williams, Paul Morris. And this is, I think this is like a thousand unit subdivision of houses. Yes. And they signed with you to say, you're going to get all of our listings for these thousand houses. Tell us about this deal. And did you, yeah. did you go on the appointment yourself? Yeah. So I, I rarely do, uh, I rarely do a listing appointment. There's something newsworthy about this in particular, because in, during normal times, you know, does somebody really want to get in a car and, and commute, you know, 45 minutes to work every day back and forth. Number one, are we going to go back to work every single day? Are we going to work from home more? Number two, people want to get out of the cities. They want to get out of that crowding. So, uh, so this particular project is interesting in, in, in many ways because I think it is sort of a wave of the future. So this was an article that came out just yesterday on Inman News and it says, as bidding wars spike, 20% of winning offers waive the inspection contingency. So I would take that as saying, all right, so if you're an agent out there that's, and you're representing buyers, that's something you need to consider. If it is a competitive market that it's reminding sellers of that inspection contingency. Have you seen anything like that? Any of your agents talking about that? You think that's good advice? I closed two investment properties recently and I, I, wa I had to waive some contingencies because I was just going to get blown out of escrow if I didn't. One listing agent who is crushing it uh, that I that I did an interview with is getting the they're getting a property inspection ahead ahead of opening escrow and they're just handing the property inspection to potential buyers and they're making them waive the inspection that you can still go get your own inspection and if you find stuff that's not disclosed in this particular one okay fine but if you do a real a really good solid property inspection 
then your chance of getting blown out of escrow is very little. You're just saying, hey, it's done up front. Another Fox Business News says, is the housing market pulling the US out of the recession? And they go through and they say all these existing home sales post record increases in June. And with that, people are pulling out record amounts of equity and cash. So the people that are selling right now, the other side about how hot the market is, is everyone that's selling is actually putting a bunch of money in their pocket. I guess, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's pretty broad to say it might pull us out of the U.S. recession, but the, I think it's, it's got to be helping. Some of these stats, these are National Association of Realtors. These are reliable stats. Inventory declined 27% and days on market increases by 15 days. I'm like, wait a minute. Wow, wow that's a, that is a different stat. If the inventory is low, you would expect houses to sell faster. These times are going to reward expertise. You know, and that's not a bad thing. It really isn't. It's not a bad thing for realtors, for sure. Fox News said 32% of households in America have either not paid their rent or not paid their mortgage in July. There's a lot of people that are facing eviction from not paying rent and a lot of people that are facing foreclosure from not paying their mortgage and those moratoriums that postponed it are almost out of time. Here's the good news and the actionable opportunity. The stats that Paul gave us a few months ago of how many of these people still have equity, that's still true. So of the people, of the 32% of U.S. households that aren't paying their rent, most of them, it's like 80 or 90% have equity, which means if you can find them, if you can reach them, if you can convince them that now is the time to sell, to pull out some of that cash and go get a fresh start with some new deals out there, that is the huge opportunity for agents and a huge win-win. All right, real estate rock stars. Hopefully you loved our July summary podcast. In just a couple of days, we'll be back up with our regularly scheduled program. But hopefully there was one of those that sparked your interest. You thought, you know what? I want to hear more of these guys talking. So go back, listen to those other ones. As always, please go share the podcast. Please go tell people about it. And uh, we will see you soon. Thanks. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys. And I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.